0: The reason that you know it was like a hundred thousand subscribers in a hundred days is because I didn't ignore a trend. I looked at a trend and I said, Holy crap, like this is making a massive difference! A massive difference, or even if it's just a small uptick for you, they liked this more. Then do more of that. That is
1: my friend, YouTuber Amy Landino, talking about how she more than tripled her YouTube subscribers in six months going from 80,000 to 250,000 and she doesn't just talk about getting YouTube subscribers but how to leverage that audience to create multiple streams of income in your business. I loved talking with Amy and I think you are going to love our chat too wonder how some people seem to get a ton of media coverage and you don't welcome to become a media maven where tv reporter host and news contributor christina nicholson shares years of media experience to help you get the media attention you and your business deserve and now to help you master your media coverage christina nicholson Okay, Amy, thank you so much for taking time to talk to me because I know you are super duper busy making videos and speaking and selling books and everything.
0: Christina, I would not miss the opportunity and I just love chatting with you. Like I'm, I'm your sister's neighbor. We're like basically sisters now.
1: <laughs> I know. I wish we could do lunch more, but we live a I know. Away. <laughs> okay, so let's start with the basics. And for you, the basics is on YouTube. Yeah. Okay, so you got started like way back before you even were a YouTuber making a video for a friend's wedding because you wanted to be like the coolest bridesmaid
0: ever. True story.
1: But then how did you turn that into a brand? Like briefly tell us how you started this YouTube thing and actually monetizing it as a brand.
0: So that's. I wish there was a brief version of that. Like if I was gonna (laughs) really like skip around, it's like, made video for friend found out i had a creative outlet that i never had before discovered youtube because i was like well i burnt that first video on a dvd so this isn't going to work like long term so i found out youtube existed that way i started watching people and i was like this is so crazy like people just post videos of trips to target and that just fascinates me and i'm like okay fine i want to get in on this i just i want to edit i wanted to make video and i wasn't excited about being on camera but i just loved I just loved the medium. And so, I mean, that was in 2008, 2009, like that was a really discoveratory time for me. That's not a word, but like that was just really learning about the landscape and like playing with a camera not really taking it that seriously, but wanting to so bad. And it wasn't until later 2009 and into 2010 that I started to discover that I was actually learning a lot about something that businesses call marketing because I was building a presence on an online format and being able to sort of like market myself to them and businesses needed to learn how to do that. Now for them, they were more worried about the Facebooks and the Twitters of the world. They were hearing that they needed to do this. They didn't have bandwidth. They didn't have budget for it, but I started to understand that I was learning about marketing while I was playing in my little creative space. So that's what started my consultancy in 2010. And uh, by 2011 I'd left my full-time job and really dove into that you know, big time, which is where the existing channel that I have really started. I knew I needed a different channel, not like a um, me going to Target channel, which is really all the kind of videos I was making at the time—not not literally, but me and my dog mostly. I needed a new channel that was going to represent me in this new business that I was going into. Because if I was going to take the risk and go all in and do it, I needed to have that platform where people could really get to know me and my skill set and trust me so that they would want to work with me. And that was in 2011. So fast forward this number of years, the channel has now taken a lot of different forms from a financial perspective. You know, there's everything from building two different businesses I have now, the original one, Vlog Boss Studios, and now Aftermark, which I co-founded with my husband. These two um, innovation houses for video, essentially, um, cater to different types of clients. And the channel does help grow that clientele. But the channel also makes money in a lot of different ways. There's affiliate marketing, there's my own product sales, there's book sales, um, and, uh, and, and sponsorship, just a lot of different things going on there. AdSense, Google AdSense, everybody loves to talk about AdSense. So that's, that's a very brief version, if I could give it to you.
1: (laughs) No, that was good. Tell me what your full-time job was that you left.
0: I, I was. I, I went to school for political science. I was never able to finish and get the degree because I was working full-time for one of the fundra- best fundraisers in the state of Ohio for the Democratic Party. I was working in a law firm as he was opening up the lobbying sector of what was previously a corporate litigation law firm. So this was very new territory for them. I was excited to assist this guy because I was like, well, this is what I'm going to school for. And then it turned out, you know, at that time, 2007, 2008, nobody my age was graduating college and getting a job. And I realized that I had to make the decision of um, going and taking classes during the time when I had the job I was hoping to get when I graduated. So I had to choose the job over school. And, um, so, so you can imagine when I come to the realization that I want to change careers completely, I don't have a degree in it or anything, and I need to leave my cushy job where I absolutely have job security. And I hate when people say that, but I did. And, that was a big risk to take because I'd put four years into that job at a very young age, and I was ahead of the game. So I was raising money, um, and I was helping somebody lobby, essentially, in the state of Ohio, helping an attorney lobby. That is so different from what. Mm-hmm. You know. But what's cool about it is this: you know, I think about that, and I'm like, why did I go so different? The reason I loved my job at the law firm is like I said, it was corporate litigation, every other secretary, which was my technical name, I was a secretary to a partner. Every other secretary was filing service letters and like doing all this really boring, like, 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 like law crap, like just filing things and typing things and, 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 you know, understanding notes that the attorneys were taking. And I got to call the governor's office and make appointments. I got to meet people. I got to shake hands. I got to host events. So I think that there were a lot of people skills developed in that period of time that ended up somehow getting married into where I am now. So it sounds really crazy different, but my sector in the firm was crazy different, which is why I think it it actually was a a great experience for me for who I am now.
1: Okay, and then you're making YouTube videos. And these videos, they're not like the videos you have now. They're just like fun videos, you and your dog. And then you're learning about things. And you're like, okay, this could help other businesses. So you started consulting. So you were making your money. I mean, there's the YouTube connection. But you weren't making your money on YouTube like you are
0: now. Nope, Nope, not at all. So
1: how were you getting those consulting clients based on what you were learning on YouTube?
0: I was telling them everything I knew. Because I knew that the best thing possible would be for me to give away the information that I was learning. Because again, you know, I didn't go to school for marketing. I used to think it was a dirty word. I didn't like it. And as I was starting to navigate this space, every time I would learn something new, I would Jump on camera and talk about it. So that could mean anything. And it, especially during like 2011, uh, 12, 13, and 14, maybe, there were so many social networks popping up and so many new features and so many new things. There was always something to talk about. So I would just get on camera and I would just say, like, oh, hey, you know, you used to not, this is a crazy one that ended up getting picked up by a few publications and syndicated. But, um, there was a time when the iPhone came out and, or excuse me, when Siri came out and it was like, I want to be able to tweet from Siri, but you couldn't do it. But I figured out how to do it because you could tweet to a phone number if you didn't have a smartphone. And so if you sent text to that phone number, it got tweeted. So I made a video about, Hey, if you, talk to Siri and say, text Twitter and just name Twitter in your phone with this phone number that's designated to your account and you read a tweet to it, it will get tweeted. And so these little hacks and things I would just find, and it may or may not have been super beneficial for businesses all the time, but it showed that I was an expert in what I was doing, which was very unknown space for businesses at the time. And any time you can just get on camera and tell people what you know and what blogging has been great for as well or any other format. But video really gives you that touch point that they get to know, like, and trust you very quickly. They look you in the eye. If you're good on camera or if you can at least hang and have a conversation on camera, that's a fast way to building trust. It's different than writing bullet points on a blog post. End of story. It just is. So that's that's what I was doing. I was any business hack or social hack I could find that brought a new perspective to that audience. I talked about it on camera consistently.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you on video. That's why I was a TV reporter and not a print reporter. Like, it's just so much more exciting on video, and you can show and tell so much better than you can in print or with pictures. Okay, so how are you – okay, so you're sharing all of this knowledge. Are these companies that you're consulting with, are they – Searching and finding you, or are you like networking and sharing your knowledge and sending people to these YouTubes? Like, how are you actually getting the leads for these consulting clients?
0: Absolutely all of the above, all okay. of the time, in addition to just leveraging every network at your disposal. So, you know, I, I was also growing on social because I had started a personal brand way before the business side. And there's a lot of people that have been following me since like those first videos and some that started following me on Twitter for some other reason. And then they started seeing videos pop up. I think there's a lot of things here. I would always tell people to watch my content if I thought there was something useful for them to look at. And and I do think in marketing today, we're always looking for the shortcut and we forget that if you want the network, remember that you already have a network and how do you leverage that? So that's sort of like the the lesson for today, kids. But the other thing is, (laughs) you know, you really can be found on YouTube. It it is no secret that it is the um, adopted child of Google and Google and YouTube work really, really well together and you can get traffic from people who are inquisitive about something. So by me offering these hacks, these tips, these strategies that I'm finding along the way, I'm formulating the headline of these videos to be something that somebody might pop in the search bar and they're not going to know who I am and they're not going to care who I am, but they're going to want the answer to their question. So if you really focus your content marketing on the content, not just your marketing, you really can attract people. So Um, I'll give really one example. I did a tutorial on how to embed a YouTube video into a PowerPoint presentation because there were just no really good resources. This is a long time ago. It's like, I don't even know how to do that. I've never done that. Yeah. It's hard. It's ridiculously (laughs) hard. They make it impossible. And the tutorials were terrible. And also you have the issue of updated um, versions of PowerPoint and all this happy stuff. But if you think about how many people actually have to do that. It's not just speakers, which, you know, I was experimenting with speaking at the time. So that was something I was trying to cross the bridge on. How do I get a YouTube video into my PowerPoint presentation? You know, students have to do that. And people within organizations have to do presentations. And so I thought this is going to be useful to people. And this is an example in the YouTube world. You really need to be in three different categories with your content and you're never going to be in all of them at the same time, or, or ideally you wouldn't because every video needs to have a purpose. And those three areas are hub hero and help hub is really focusing on. This is what my core audience who already loves me wants. I'm going to do this just for them. So you're going to have videos that are just for them. Sometimes hero is when you're like, you know what? I want to go broader here. I want this to be great for my audience, but I think it's going to help more people than that. So this is going to be a hero piece that might happen less often. It might be sort of like these pillar pieces every once in a while. And then there's help which is SEO driven. It's that pull content. I'm gonna help somebody by answering their question and that's the purpose of this video. And you could probably be in two camps at the same time, but knowing which which one is the biggest is super important. That PowerPoint video is an example of hero and help. I answered a question. I specifically dove into the tutorial in that video and answered it for anyone who would find that video based on searching the exact words, how to embed a YouTube video into a PowerPoint presentation or other versions of that search query. But it ended up being a hero piece for me because there were so many people that needed that help. And that was the huge, huge viral success of my channel for probably three years, which is the amazing thing about YouTube. You make a piece of content on YouTube, you publish that video, it can work for you for the life of your channel if you stay consistent. This is not true in a lot of other places. If you want to talk about Facebook video, good luck even finding a Facebook video you remember or recall if you saved it, unless you saved it specially. You don't you don't find things the same way on Facebook that you do YouTube. And so the longevity is just insane. I mean, I have one video right now, it's about waking up early that I did earlier this year, and it just goes waves. Right now it's getting 25,000 views in the last 48 hours, just because there's trending search activity or trending viewership, people getting ready to go back to school. They got to learn to wake up early again. It fell flat maybe for the summer a little bit, but in the spring it was, you know, 50,000 in 48 hours. So you really have to understand the amazing capacity of search, but not just search. Search is also driven by suggested results. So a lot of traffic that I get from discovery is search and, and suggested results. So SEO is a very, very important thing on YouTube.
1: Okay, so let's unpack that a little bit because I feel like so many people, they make these videos and they look at the keywords and they put it up there and still they're just not seeing the views. So sure. any more tips on how after we put a video up there, what we need to do to be sure it's being found?
0: if you want it to be found, you have to help other people find it. Also, YouTube's not just going to be like, super, thanks for this resource. Let's get it out to the whole world. Like they need to see that you're as invested as they are in their platform. So the biggest tip that I have is one of the original points I made. You can't have it. You can't grow the network unless you realize you already have one. Whenever you publish something, it is your mission in life to get eyeballs on it. And I like to tell people when they're first getting started, you know, oh, I have nobody, I have nobody, I have nobody. Okay, no, you have friends, you have family, you need to tell them, okay, hey, look, I'm launching a social presence. It happens to be on YouTube. One of the things that I really need is attention on every video when it comes out and I need likes and I need comments. And so I'd really love it if I could pop this into a Facebook group or send you an email whenever I have a video coming out and just say, hey, can you just get on here and watch it all the way through and like it and comment on it. If you bring traffic to YouTube, YouTube brings traffic to you. And what they look for is peaking activity In your channel, if you have zero subscribers but you're getting a hundred views for some reason, that's peaking activity. Like, okay, here's something interesting is happening here. Like, maybe we should pay attention to this. And they're going to continue to watch. If your statistics go up, you're going to be doing a lot of that work right off the bat, but it doesn't mean that the videos that you first publish can't later be discovered as long as you put in the work that needs to be there for each individual upload, which is also why I don't recommend, you know, publishing more than one at a time or more than one in a day. You really want to spend time promoting that piece of content. So when you do that, let's, let's say you were to go, Oh, I need like three parts to this series. So I'm going to upload them all together at the same time. You never really promoted the first one or the second one the way the third one is going to get promoted because it's chronologically the newest and so youtube sees that as down activity or inconsistent activity promotion of that video is super important so f- Find your task force, ask people to do you a solid for the first couple months of your channel and just pop into your videos. You post them once a week. That's no big deal to a lot of people. They'll happily do you the favor if you ask and you're more likely to see YouTube send you some traffic if you actually prove that you're invested in theirs.
1: Okay, so you're doing this and you're being consistent and I don't know what I'm going to assume that that is how you started doing more and more speaking.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny. It, it, I was just talking to a camera alone in a room, you know, and, and I started getting inquiries for speaking engagements. And I thought that was really fascinating. I'm like, you know, I had never expressed interest in doing it. I hadn't applied for anything. I was just talking about what I knew, but organizers were seeing the, the ability I had to talk. Apparently, and uh, (laughs) that they needed that, and they needed a video. They needed uh, certain social networks to be represented on their stages because they needed to communicate these things to other businesses that were coming to their events. So that's really how it started. Was just I was getting emails from people saying, "I saw your YouTube channel. We don't have a huge budget, but we would really love for you to come speak. Can you do that?" And I was like, "Uh, I don't know. Like, (laughs) I have to figure that out." But you know, you dig in and you really give it a try. And what I realized was any uh, fear of speaking I had before had a lot to do with not knowing the material the way I know this material. And when you really know something, it's extremely helpful for learning how to speak.
1: And speaking has become one of your main revenue streams. Like you do it all the time.
0: Yeah. It's it's become really significant, really exciting um, because you know, I, I get bored easily. So I love YouTube. Like I'm so committed to YouTube. I, I think it's fantastic. It's my, one of my favorite things in the world to do is just to sit here and have a conversation with a camera. Cause I know who I'm really talking to, but I, I just, I love speaking. It's, it's exciting for me to do something I feel that a lot of people don't do. And I think YouTube and speaking fall into that camp. And it's sort of like this like feeling, I guess I feel like I'm a little bit special and I just, I don't take that for granted. I want to be able to walk on stage and enlighten someone because it was a keynote speaker that enlightened me at my first digital marketing conference to leave my job. And I feel like that position is so powerful and so incredible. And and all I'm ever trying to do is leave that impact on people. But to be able to do it as a speaker, even if it's just 100 people, 10 people, 20 people like in an audience, it doesn't matter the size. It's such an amazing position to be in. And I love seeing the Look on people's faces. Christina, I got into this because I like to see the look on people's faces. That's why I made the first video. I made the first video for Stephanie because I wanted to see her face when she saw what we had done for her. And it was like, it's the same thing for speaking. I love to see people have the epiphany. I love to see the result of my content hitting someone and making them realize what they have the power to do.
1: And were you ever scared or nervous? Because it's very different to speak to a camera than it is a room full of hundreds or even thousands of people.
0: Right off the bat, super nervous because I just didn't have any experience speaking. And all I could think about was speech class in high school and how terribly that went. But <laughs> when you know what you're talking about and you really believe in it and you're extremely passionate about it, I just realized it was it lifted me up so much. There wasn't time for knee knocking or like sweaty palms. Like I just dove in. I just knew what I was saying. And somehow probably a lot of practice on camera has helped me with that. I'm not going to say that this is just like, Oh, if you know your stuff, it's fine. But that I do feel like is what's given me the most confidence. If I get up and speak, um, actually, you know, I'm from Columbus and Christina, like we have a special sort of like connection to Columbus. I was the president of the downtown residents association for four years of the six years or maybe three years of the six years that I was on that board. And I would actually still, even as a professional speaker, get nervous to speak to the neighborhood because I was always worried that I didn't have my facts right or where we were or who we were talking to. I was way more nervous in that format than I am when I'm talking about this, which is why I say the content really gives me a lot of confidence.
1: Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, and I'm going to assume that as your YouTube channel grows, your speaking opportunities increase.
0: Oh, absolutely. Because, um, I mean, like they're pretty consistent anyway, because this industry... There's so much overlap. Yeah, everyone's always saying it's the year of video and everyone's always saying we need more video and and we need more women speaking. Like there's a lot of reasons why I am a great option. But at the same time, it's also nice to have social proof because that's what helps the dollars increase. Ultimately, if you can put butts in seats, you're more valuable.
1: Yeah, and I have to say, so we both know Pat Flynn. Mm -hmm. And I haven't told you this, but we were talking about you the other day. And Mm -hmm. we said, I don't know what she's been doing, but like these last few months, like everything is just like all of a sudden skyrocketing.
0: I don't know what I've been doing either to be completely honest.
1: (laughs) But like, that's right, right? Like we're not just seeing that. Like all of a sudden it's it's like double, triple, quadrupling everything you're doing online.
0: Absolutely. I mean, just to give everybody some context, my channel hit. Oh God, I have to think about the dates here, but my channel hit, I think 80,000 subscribers by the end of 2017. And it was within a, and, and so we were talking about 2011 to the end of 2017 is how long it took me to get to 80,000. And so something happened. Uh, I, And I guess I want to blame it on a lot of things. I changed my name. I'm formerly Amy Schmidauer. I'm now Amy Landino. I changed the name of the channel. I wanted to restructure a lot of things. I also had a new set. We had just moved like everything from the beginning of 2018 on was like fresh slate. I wanted to really approach my content a bit differently. So once that started, it just went gangbusters. I don't know why. I think it's because the content is a little bit more, um, More hero, as I talked about before, right, it really helps a lot more people than just the people that I was talking to before, even though I've never, ever changed who my avatar is in my mind. I've always been talking to the same Charlotte since 2011. That's her name. And so it just took off 20,000 subscribers in like the first two months of the year or something like that. And then another 100,000 subscribers in 100 days. And now I'm at almost 250. So it's really, really bonkers. But, but I want this to be not like, ooh, look at me. Like th- this is an example of the algorithms working. I know that people have a hard time hearing that because they go and they post to YouTube and they're like, nothing's working. But when YouTube figures out what you're all about, they love promoting it because it keeps people on their platform. It keeps people watching. It makes them more money. It's not that they're trying to get you to fail. They just need you to find your niche, find your bag. And once you do, as soon as YouTube gives you attention and people are loving what you're doing and you're getting a lot of positive comments and you're getting a lot of just like positive trajectory everything if you do not lean into that activity and do it again it's just going to be a viral sensation for five seconds the goal here is you know if this particular piece of content is taking off for some reason if those people became subscribers they're expecting to see more of that in the future so the reason that you know it was like 100,000 subscribers in 100 days is because I didn't ignore a trend I looked at a trend and I said holy crap, like this is making a massive difference, a massive difference, or even if it's just a small uptick for you, they liked this more, then do more of that. And that's really what the algorithms are doing. They're trying to help you come to that conclusion of finding your sweet spot of what people want to see from you so that you will be more consistent with that one thing.
1: So the YouTube led to speaking, and Mm -hmm. then the speaking led to your book, Vlog mm-hmm. Like a Boss. Okay, so tell us the reasoning and when you were like, huh, I'm going to write a book.
0: Yeah, well, it wasn't like exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it was, um the, my book came out early last year, 2017. And so it was really because I was walking off stage and everyone would come up to me and it would be like selfies and questions and where's your book? And I was like, um... Well, here's the thing. I make free YouTube videos, so like why don't you just go watch my YouTube channel? It's going to take you maybe about the same amount of time, maybe longer, but go check it out. And there's something about the fact that people want a manual for something or they want a resource for something that's that's something they can hold in their hand and it's different than the video experience so I realized you know I was kind of holding myself back as a speaker without a book and I hate to say it but that was probably one of the biggest reasons but I did go to my audience and I said look you know I'm gonna write this book and I I I, I'm hoping that it's something that will be useful for you because this channel has been very useful um it seems for you And so I'm trying to put that in a more succinct sort of place, something designed for you to flow through it and actually be able to follow my advice in the order that I would prescribe it to you if you are my client. And so I was very thrilled. You know, a lot of my colleagues came to me and said, you're not going to sell anything. It's okay. Just have the book. It's a great business card. And I was like, well, this is depressing, but okay. (laughs) And, and, um, My audience bought that book. I mean, it was really, really awesome to see how much they wanted that next step. And I think that that's something I took for granted: is knowing to lean into the things that are working, but also considering that in the in different mediums. And I really kind of wrote off books, even though I'm an avid reader. I wrote, I wrote it off for myself because I thought it's okay. I have a free resource for them. It's on YouTube, but they really, really wanted to support me in that way and to have the resource for themselves. And the book has just been going fantastically the last year, year and a
1: half. It's definitely a credibility booster, but you also busted your ass to get that places. I remember um, because I love the book loft in German village. When I was in college, I worked at roosters in German village. Oh yeah. So I always went to the book loft. It is like the cutest bookstore you will ever see in your life. Really and nice. weren't you just going like door to door saying, Hey, I wrote a book. Do you want to sell it?
0: Well, um, not as not really like book Loft for me was, this is my dream. Um, not my dream, but like, this is my like story no, I guess it was a dream. Like this is my dream book signing. If I'm going to launch the book, I want to do a book signing at the book loft. And we did, we went to them and we just said like, do you do that? And we knew that they did. And they were like, yeah, we do that. And I just said like, you know, what do I have to do to get my book sold in this store? And, and how can I have a book signing with you? And I was ready to like pay money. I didn't even know how it worked. They were just. Happy to do it. They they were like, this is how many books we need. We want them signed. Here's the day you can have it. And they gave us a room. And the day after my book launched, I had my book, my book signing, or was it the day? It was the day after. It was the day after. And that was super cool. I mean, otherwise, you know, as a self-published author, it's pretty tip it's pretty difficult to get into stores. But um that's why I did it. I just thought, I just want to have my book signing in that one spot that's special to me because it's home and in a world where I am not I'm not like known in Columbus, Ohio, like the, let's get that straight. I love my city and I'm known in other ways. I'm involved in the community, but my presence online is sort of like a, whoa, you have that when it comes to my local area, but it's my home. So to have the signing here is not the same as a conference that hires me or some event that I coordinate somewhere because my audience lives in mostly that area. It was home. So I think that's why Bookloft was important to me.
1: And it's the cutest place ever so cute. I can't even believe they had a room like big enough for you to sit down and sign it, books. It was,
0: it was a lot. It was a lot to handle. And it was also, Christine, it was so funny because I'm like standing in this room when it was first starting and I was like, cool. And I just started introducing myself to people, but you know how big that store is. So I was like, are you just shopping or are you here for me? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, I'm here for you. And I was like, Oh, cause I don't recognize your face. Like, you know, there's family and friends that come, but the people that I didn't recognize, it was really crazy. It was really crazy.
1: That's so cool. I love that. Okay. So tell everybody where they can get the book if they want the book and they don't want to go to the book
0: loft. Sure. Yeah. It's at the book loft, I believe. I don't, I don't <laughs> know I don't know how they're like stocking it, but last I checked, it was there and um, it, everything's at vloglikeaboss.com when it comes to the book. So if you prefer a different online retailer, you can kind of find that information there, but it's of course on Amazon and you can read all the Amazon reviews as well. It's, it's, very highly reviewed, which is humbling and really exciting. And I, I want people to take that seriously because it's very easy to self-publish these days and you want to feel confident about what you're buying. And so I hope you'll feel confident about it. And
1: I read it and I like it. So y'all can buy it.
0: Okay. There you go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Where can, um, people find more of you?
0: So I think the easiest and most obvious thing here is to just say, go to youtube.com slash amytv TV, TV and you'll learn a lot about me real quick.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Okay. Thank you so much, Amy. You have been a wealth of information.
0: Thank you so much, Christina. Happy to be here.